Hey folks, before we get started today, I want to tell you about our friends over at Technip FMC. And when I say friends, I really mean it. They're great friends of OGGN and uh, and we love working with them. And so uh, you'll probably love working with them too. And now the thing you should know, because you've probably heard of Technip FMC and you probably think of them as offshore deep water platforms. They're the people you go to when you got to buy a tree or a manifold. But Technip FMC is in fact one of the leading technology providers in the industry today. They're doing a lot of modern, interesting stuff, not only offshore, but also on land. They have some amazing integrated, digitally enabled ecosystems that, uh, frankly, I've seen this stuff and it will blow your mind what they can do compared to the old way of doing things. So if, if you've got anything to do with any of that sort of thing in your company and you haven't been looking at the latest, and I'm not talking about what you saw from Technip FMC 15 years ago. I'm saying take a look at what you see them doing today. And uh, if, if you're not impressed and you don't want to learn more about it, I will be very surprised. You can learn more at Technip fmc.com <laughs> all right uh, there's this magic thing that i can do where i hold up my hand like this an industry under pressure innovation in its finest hour this is the oil and gas technology podcast where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities hear about how it happens in real life with your host michael o'sullivan Views of the host are expressly its own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. We are here. And we are here. And if you're not here, where else are you? We're here. Thank you. And <laughs> and my favorite person just uh, took care of me. I, oh, I should explain that. But um, uh, uh, we are here live on location at the Whitehall Hotel fabulous downtown Houston uh, for yet another one of these uh, live studio audience podcasts. And, um, and so just to clarify a couple of things for the live studio audience, uh, this is, so the part about this that is live is you. So this is, Woo! yes. So it's not, it, 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 but it's like a regular podcast that's going to be recorded and released on the usual platforms, Apple, Spotify, and whatever else ones are out there. Uh, so, but, uh, so that's the live part. So if any of you are like formulating any ideas about, um, like it's not photo bombing, what is it? Like audio bombing? Um, you're like, uh, we're gonna cut that out later. Uh, unless you're really funny, in which we'll case leave it in. we'll probably leave it in. Um, uh, so, but you will get your chance at the end. We are gonna do Q&A, right? Are we doing Q&A? Heck yeah, yeah. yeah, we're going to do Q&A. Of course we're going to do Q&A. So at the end, you'll get your chance uh, for the microphone, and you'll get to ask questions. Um, and so we're going to keep it not too long because the drinks are getting warm and the food is getting cold. So, hey, Michael, before we get started, yes. real quick, safety moment. Safety we moment. have no planned uh, alarms. If something does happen, we have two points of exit from this area. If you look right back here, we go through these doors, or you just run through these doors as fast as you can, grab a drink from their bar, and just keep on going. <laughs> These doors are locked. Oh. But if you want to try to run through it, we'll all be happy to watch. <laughs> so, so I want to introduce uh, who we have up here. Um, Mark probably needs no introduction. Uh, this is Mark LaCour. So a little uh, uh, trivia fact is that Mark is the original host 
of this show, the oil and gas. What's it called? Oil and gas. Is this oil and gas tech or oil, oil and gas digital dudes? This is oil and gas tech. This is okay. oil and gas tech podcast. That was the music I heard. And so uh, Mark is the original host, and about a year and a half ago or so, he asked me if I wanted to do it, and I haven't ruined it yet. Nope. And so, uh, so here we are. But he's coming back. Like you're in the guest seat this time. So it's a weird place to be. It's going to be an adjustment for you. Yeah. I know. I know. But but more importantly than Mark, we have uh, Alexis Carousel, who is uh, sitting here very patiently waiting for us to finish all this nonsense. And uh, and Alexis is from Appian, mm-hmm. which is also the sponsor of this great event. So uh, if you're eating or drinking anything at all right now, then you can thank Alexis. <laughs> there you go. Um, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about ESG, uh, but now wait before you before anybody gets up and says like this is another ESG conversation or this guy on his show he's been really like hooked on ESG conversations lately actually it's not true I've been hooked on robot conversations is what I've been doing but um, but we want to look at it a little bit uh, you know it's in the it's very much in the um, in the limelight as we all know we're all having ESG conversations all over the place uh, but we want to look at it from a little bit of a different angle so just believe that's true and stay put um, Mark did you want to say like uh, say anything about you or OGGN before I let Alexis kind of get the limelight yeah just real quick if you're in the oil and gas energy business and you like to learn through storytelling just pull out your phone whatever podcast app you use type in oil and gas and since we're number one in the world we come up first we have 15 separate shows different everything from hs e to onshore offshore with four or five more in the works and probably the most famous live stream in the oil and gas industry so check us out online. Uh, we'd love to help, uh, have y'all uh, participate in some of the stuff we're doing because the whole thing is our community is everything and you're part of our community. So thank you. That is good. That was good. That was good. Yay. Um, all right. Now it's your turn. So I put it off as long as I can. Now you have to talk. Um, so Alexis, uh, so you've been with Appian a, a year or two, I think, if I three remember. Years. Three years. A, a year or three. And, um, but you've been in the, around the energy business for a long time. That's right. I, 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 it seems to me that you've also been around Houston for a while, right? I have, yeah. I love Houston. You um, love okay. I moved here. Why in, do you love Houston? It uh, has great culture. It has yeah, great yeah. people. Um, the art scene is great. The food scene is awesome. And uh, and the, the people are wonderful. And energy is just an ever-changing business. There's ups, there's downs, there's new trends. Yeah. Um, so it's been fun. I've heard about the downs. Um, <laughs> uh, I had somebody from... Uh, I'm not going to say which part of California they were from exactly, but recently, who moved here recently and told me, asked me, where do I find the healthy food? <laughs> so I, I wasn't really sure what to make. Like, do you have any advice for that? Like, just I, in case she's listening. I think right I've now? seen a vegan restaurant or two. <laughs> well, it's um, fun. Yeah. But yeah, but that's like, about it. It's a lot no, of it's, barbecue, a lot Ruby's of queso. Barbecue. It's the healthiest you could <laughs> yeah. eat. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what the problem is. All right. Um, uh, what, so what else? So a little bit more about you. So this is your chance. Uh, a little bit about Appian. Like, what do you do and what does Appian do? Yeah, sure. So Appian is a software platform for orchestrating systems and data that exist at companies today and building new workflows on top of those systems and data, um, all geared toward impacting change at the organization and quickly adapting to the changing environment. Wow. That was good. It was very that good. That was good. Yeah. Practice that. All right, good. I, I, I'm actually a big fan of what you guys do, but I'll save that for another episode. All right, so we are, uh, so we're talking about ESG, um, and the thing is, 
Um, there's been a lot of energy, a lot of focus on it. Everybody's scrambling. Um, you know, people like industry companies are scrambling to get their ESG reporting in order and do all the good things they're supposed to do. Um, solution type companies, service companies are scrambling to try to provide the tools and the things that they need to uh, to help with all of that. You guys are in that in that corner of the world, mm-hmm. um, but. But I know this is I, I know this is near and dear to you because you gave me a whole earful the other day. So <laughs> what like how are we doing? Like in the industry, and I know Mark, you got some you got some comments on this as well, but I'm gonna let her go first. So how are we doing so far? Like what's the like where are we at? Well, I think there's been a lot of development and a lot of change and ESG is a topic that is now um, in probably every other meeting that's occurring at organizations, and that's at every level from the C-suite to uh, field operations. So the good thing is that the topic has attention. Um, Companies, major companies, the largest energy companies in the world um, have very publicly made strong carbon reduction commitments. Um, So that's that's the, the, the first step. And I think now we need to figure out how to meet those commitments, and the whole industry is coming together to do that, which is really neat to watch. There's great partnerships taking place. There's a lot of new offerings on the market to help meet those needs, um, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot to do still. So, on a scale of one to five, how are we doing? You think? Oh gosh, I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Five. What do you think? Hon- honestly, as an industry as a whole, a two. A two. But not that long ago, we we're at negative two. It's not the terrible two. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So. So that's like a 400% increase. What, why are we at a two? A bunch of reasons in the industry. The biggest one, which was surprising to me, originally I thought it was going to be capital, right? So a lot of the investment community was not uh, 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 letting go of capital unless there's an ESG component. And if you don't know this audience, um, most of the oil that's produced in the U.S. is produced by small independent operators who need that capital to drill wells. But surprisingly enough, the industry as a whole kind of took a backward step and said, you know what, this is just the right thing to do. So I remember the days when it's called C- <laughs> Wait, you just said took a backward step and said this is the right thing to so do. So took a backward step, looked <laughs> at the bigger picture, looked at what was going right. on between geopolitics, uh, economics, uh, the rise of the renewables, uh, this energy shortage the world is facing, the food shortages that we're getting ready to have. And it, they looked at all this and go, you know what, this is the right thing for us to do, but let's figure out how to do it the correct way. Uh, and so a lot of Wall Street especially kind of chastised the super majors for not moving quick enough but Kinda. they did the right thing. They waited until they understood what they needed to do and they started to move forward. And then as usual, they leaned on their service companies for help, which is then spawned this whole ecosystem that you're talking about. And the right. cool thing is now I'm seeing tech companies from Silicon Valley, from Israel come in, all helping us deal with this siloed data that is preventing us to move from a three to a four in our ESG metrics. Yes, excellent. So, so that ties right back to the thing that I wanted to ask you, which is, um, so if we're if we're a, if we're a two, but we're aiming to be a four, um, there's there's various obstacles to get over, and one of them is and, and and you guys are really focused in one particular area, which by the way happens to be like a thorn in the paw of like oil and gas world forever, um, and and you you referred so so when we were talking the other day, you you called it the gotcha right. of ESG, and so. We have a lot of great companies like like Appian and other companies uh, and even internal teams who are coming forward with all of these new solutions to tackle all the reporting requirements and all the things and all the hoops we got to jump through to do all the to do the right thing. And there's and then like in the middle of it all, there's this gotcha, which is mm-hmm. yeah. There's so many technologies out there. 
a lot of important, really good technologies that are monitoring things, emissions and uh, air quality and um, you know various things that need to go into ESG reporting that are new technologies spun up very quickly to address these ESG needs. I think the gotcha is that there's still a lot of manual work taking place in the background to get us where we need to go in that sense, meaning, like Mark said, these are still largely siloed systems. Um, what that then looks like for companies is people are downloading uh, or extracting information from your existing systems, they're operating in spreadsheets and emails, they're manually um, sending requests out to 100 people at organizations saying, hey, give me this quick data point, I need to make a report. Um, when information is, is siloed and it's being extracted from different systems in that way, it's instantly dated information. Your data is, is not real time. Um, so that's the, that's the big gotcha is that is it really actionable and are we just doing this in hindsight at the end of the month or the end of the quarter? Yeah. Or is this really integrated into the strategic mission of these companies and the decarbonization commitments? Yeah, so you, you just described sort of the underlying problem behind everything that the industry ever tries to do, um, <laughs> which so true. <laughs> which is, uh, and, and on the tech show, so on this, on this uh, podcast, I always say, or I don't know, from time to time I say, that uh, anytime we have a, a conversation about, about tech and solutions and whatnot and processes in oil and gas, we're always gonna talk, there's always three things that are always gonna come into the conversation and you just hit two of them. We, we're always gonna talk about data, we're always gonna talk about silos, and we're always gonna talk about culture, which we haven't got to yet, but I'm convinced that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm certain it's gonna come into play. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but kind of like one of the like if I cut through some of that, it's uh, we always have this problem where the data that we need for the thing over here is not over here; it's over there. And then we have like very highly paid, skilled scientists and engineers who spend half or more of their day getting all the data from over here to over there and like fixing it up and doing all the things that they do. Exactly. So, I mean, am I am I exaggerating that? Do you know? And it's it, I've seen this for years, and it, it drives me crazy that I see a high paying petroleum engineer spending three quarters of their day scrubbing Excel spreadsheets that's or geophysicists. Or geophysicists. Right, yeah. That is ridiculous, you know. And but but as you said, Michael, that's something that we've always had to deal with. The cool thing is the technologies that you can now overlay instead of having to move that data has now become cheaper and so uh, easy to work with that now we have solutions for it. Yeah, oh, it's almost like he works for Appian. <laughs> um, so, so, so what, um, so, so it's not integrated, right? Um, and it's not, and things are, and, and we have to migrate all this data. Now, I happen to know a little bit about about what, and even before all this ESG hoopla, uh, you guys at Appian, like that's kind of like your core thing, right? Is like it leave is. the data where it's at. Absolutely. Which sounds like for anybody who's been in the trenches, uh, sounds like magic. So, how, like, how, like talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Like, what's 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 at the core there? So we call it a data anywhere approach at Appian. And so most companies, just so you know, their data is anywhere. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. so that's not new. <laughs> okay. Uh, but that's the idea. Leave it where it resides. So right. leave the data in the systems of record, in these really innovative new technologies that have come to market to do things that, um, that we're all being asked to do now as it pertains to ESG reporting. Uh, but use Appian as the overlay and the orchestration layer. Uh, we surface the information from where it resides. 
Um, nothing migrates to the Appian platform, and that's huge for IT and security companies, that we don't own any of the, the data. We can service a system of record, but most commonly, um, we're an overlay. And this is a really important piece. We're bringing workflow into this. So we're making the data actionable. Uh, it's real time. And with that, there's, there's stakeholder visibility into how you're performing against metrics anytime. So we could be talking, like your point, I think, about ESG or about something else. Appian's been doing this for 20 years in every industry. Um, we don't go to market as an ESG solution. Uh, we're not even you know, specifically going to market as an energy solution. Um, but it's it's a core to what we do and, and we know it really well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so we're gonna so we're gonna assume that all that's true, what you just said. And uh, which which I think it is. Uh, so Mark, like you're you're an industry guy, you've been around, you know, you've been in the conversations a long time. So like hearing that like, what does that translate into in your head? Like, if I could do all that that way, uh, then what does that mean to me in terms of, like, results in my business? So the biggest thing is I'm not hiring 13 outside consultants who worried or more worried about uh, increasing their day rate than actually solving my problems, right? Hey, some of us come from that world. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry. Go easy on that. So I'm able to do this internally with my own teams with a little bit of outside help. And then the one thing that brought that I think is very important is the stakeholder accountability right so bottom line whether ESG is something you're doing to help uh, placate investors is it something that you do or because it's in your heart you believe it's the right thing if it's something you're doing because your management told you to get this thing done bottom line is the reporting part is is crucial right um, as we go through time, we're going to have more and more laws and regulations about these reportings, and we need to have this stuff set up in the industry ahead of time so we can be proactive about it and actually not only provide the government reporting government recording agencies the reports they want, but even our own metrics and our own shareholders. If I'm able to show my shareholders that we've increased you know, our, our governance part by 2 or 3%, that's huge, right? And then you can start doing things like benchmarking. But none of that can happen unless we get the data, we get it organized, and we figure out the reporting metrics that we want to do, and then we're able to afford to yeah, do it yeah, from yeah. a business point of view. Yeah. Okay, so he's the executive sponsor at, at your client. Mm -hmm. He's all excited about that. It all sort of rests on this notion that the, the data doesn't require migration. So... Um, like, how is that possible exactly? Because I, I'm skeptical because I do, I do come from that world where we used to try to like increase our bill rate and, uh, and data not requiring migration sounds like I just lost a whole lot of business. So what, what, how, like, how does that work? Like, how do you do that? Yeah, so that gets into the technical aspect of, of Appian and how we approach um, integrations at Appian. So uh, we have a unique way of surfacing information, storing it in in-memory engines, and writing back real-time to those systems of record. Um, and there's several different ways to uh, to so handle systems integrations. of record such as? That could be uh, your ERP system, it could be HR systems, it could be your blockchain system, it could be uh, emissions reporting tools. <laughs> I worked for that $5. Thank you. Um, <laughs> five, You're an honest woman. Thank five, you. $5 from the, from the Data Gumbo team for mentoring, mentioning blockchain. Uh, yeah. So it, it could be literally Oh, it's anything. only once? It, uh, yeah. That's it's $5 per mention. No. Mm -hmm. um, so it could be anything. And the other really cool thing, too, that um, you know, we're talking about surfacing information from different systems, integrating with those real time, uh, pointing to different systems. The other thing we do that's really impactful in the ESG reporting space is we can take all of these 
paper or electronic records that are issued by the contractors to a large company. And those could be your utility bills. They could be um, you know, heating and, and cooling of equipment, water bills, um, uh, bills from waste collections, from recycling, from other uh, third-party emissions uh, modeling software. We can ingest that into Appian using AI. So where previously companies might be manually keying that information in, again, from 100 sites or 1,000 sites every month, right, right. Um, that can all be instant. So, let, uh, so, all right, I just heard you mention everything from ERP to HR to utility bills. How, how um, so, so this gives me a little bit of insight as to why ESG reporting might be a bit of a challenge. Like, how does all of that, like, like just, I don't know, maybe it's obvious, but how does all of that factor into what I need to do for, for ESG reporting? Like, either one of you There's jump so in. many different <laughs> things that, that weigh into ESG reporting. Companies may be looking at 100 different metrics or more, Way more. related yeah. to ESG. Yeah. Uh, it all depends on the type of company and their risk profile and where they are in the energy value chain. And also where they are ge geographically, right? So right. the laws in Louisiana are different than the laws in California, which are different than the, the laws, laws in Louisiana California. are different from yeah. everywhere, yeah. 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 And so, you know, it's, it's the ability to be able to be nimble is something you don't awfully hear about the oil and gas industry. But with our ESG reporting, we need to be nimble because those requirements are going to change literally on a daily basis depending on where you are and who you're reporting to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so all of this, uh, so you take this approach and um, yeah, we got, we got, we kind of solve some of those data technical problems that all of a sudden allow us to do all the things that Mark got really excited about. Um, but like, but in your working with customers, what different types of like scenarios or, you know, use cases, do you, where, where do you see people really aiming this these capabilities to get the most value the fastest, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so we've been talking, I think up until now, all about reporting and what goes into that, but there's also a lot that goes into just day-to-day -day operations, and you know, by the way, your data needs to be integrated, not just to your business systems, but to your operations. So we have companies uh, that use Appian to perform those operations. They're large, mission-critical operations, um, and they're now looking at those with a lens of decarbonization. So a large UK-based energy company that we have been working with for years um, uses... <laughs> a large UK-based energy company. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Let me see. There's so many. Which one would that be? <laughs> um, they have used Appian for years to, to manage large capital projects, I think construction projects. Right, um, right. And then recently, they said, we, we need to take a very close look at decarbonization um, and these projects, these capital projects that are geared towards decarbonization, but how are we actually doing? Like we need to be looking at this every single day. Stakeholders need visibility, we need to collaborate. And they saw a great result. They saw 61% carbon capital reduction from the 2010 baseline. 61% from 2010. How does that, in your, uh, in your, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that Mark is also hosts this little podcast that some people have heard of. Uh, uh, called Oil and Gas This Week. And uh, like, how does that, like if you, the 61%, how does that compare to what the rest of the world is doing? That, that, that is probably 50% more than what I've heard anybody else doing at, at this date and time. It is interesting though, because we're here right downstairs from the Carbon Reporting Conference. We are downstairs from the yeah. Carbon Reporting Conference, yeah. yeah. And so everybody, regardless of what your views are on carbon dioxide, every company out there wants the ability to be able to accurately record their CO2 emissions 
And then if they're doing any type of mitigations, they want to be able to accurately record that. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. One is public perception. One is shareholder value. One is regulatory environment. But there's another one that a lot of people don't, don't talk about, they don't understand. So when you're an upstream operator and you have a reservoir that's not performing well, one of your well stimulation techniques is carbon dioxide injection. It adds energy to the oil. It decreases the viscosity, so it makes it easier to get the oil out of the reservoir. Well, if you're a company like Oxy or ExxonMobil, traditionally you bought that carbon dioxide. Yeah. Well, guess what's happening now? Right. We're politically and um, from a uh, culture point of view, we're moving to a carbon capture market, right? Which means companies like ExxonMobil and Oxy and other companies will follow to start capturing carbon dioxide out of the air so that they can basically say, look, we've emitted this many tons of CO2. We've pulled this many tons of CO2 out the air. We're net zero. The part that everybody misses is now we as taxpayers have funded the CO2 that ExxonMobil is going to use to inject in the reservoirs, right? That also needs to be tracked. Right. This is something radically new. It's a different <laughs> business model. It's a different revenue stream. It's good for the planet. It's good for ExxonMobil. It's good for all of us. But once again, we've got to be able to track this sort of stuff. And right now, it's being tracked by a million disjointed systems, and that's not an efficient way to do it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But, but you got, like, the magic thing, right? You just, like, you just roll this stuff in, and everything's all connected. And um, uh, did, by the way, did you realize that? Did, did you did you know about all of that? I didn't know we were going to talk about that example. Yeah, but, yeah. that's a great example. Um, <laughs> Why are you offering me money? That's my different wait. job, right? We got to wait till it's after midnight, and there's a poll, and then you can offer me the money. Somebody's trying to put money in Mark's shirt right now. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's a different episode. Um, all right. Uh, good, good I'm sorry examples. Sorry, got you off track. No, no. There's no such thing as off track. Um, there was another uh, so we talked about carbon capture and I'm looking at the clock like when when do we stop this where people start changing the channel um, we uh, we got but you know like there's a like a field maintenance thing too right absolutely that, that I know you guys are and 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 we do we talk about this a lot on the tech show and some of the other shows where we're trying to bring all these new capabilities into field operations so that field operations can also be part of like the new great movement of all the wonderful things that we're doing so mm -hmm. like how does that factor in big factor. So uh, we have a lot of experience with that at Appian. Um, large energy companies like Halliburton, ENI, Total, Marathon, etc. have these huge field operations. Um, we also work with other industries, distribution and grocers and manufacturing and telecom. Um, so across industries, companies are looking to... We don't care about those other ones. Forget them. Yeah. Um, no. They're looking to reduce the number of trips required to service a customer issue, or they're looking to reduce the number of truck rolls required yeah, to yeah. deliver equipment. So there's a huge carbon opportunity there. Um, if they can reduce by 5 or 10%, that's, yeah, that's huge big. for the carbon yeah. footprint, and it's also great for the bottom line. Um, oftentimes, it's better for the customer, too. So it's a solution that makes everybody really happy, um, and companies are using Appian to help with... Uh, managing that so it's done in an efficient way and you have a holistic view of what are the service needs of the day and also getting getting a step ahead and using AI built into Appian right, yeah, yeah. to uh, to capture some of the information from the field make intelligent decisions and avoid some of those trips yeah there's a little piece I want to throw in though about Midland yeah 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 that's when, when you roll <laughs> less trucks you inherently run a safety environment there's less lost time yeah. instances so not only is this help the environment this keeps people safe yeah yeah, yeah. It's so a win -win. so Mark and I were in Midlands <laughs> last month 
and we did uh, we did something just like this, and uh, for a different company who has uh, a, a completely uh, uh, not a software solution, but they got the first ever uh, direct drive frack pump, turbine uh, driven tur frack turbine driven pump. frack pump on the planet, and um, and so we were doing a live podcast in the Midland uh, Petroleum Club, and the the mayor of Midland was there and the Chamber of Commerce, and the one thing that they really wanted to know is will this get like reduce the number of trucks, trucks on the road trucks yeah. on the road that was what they cared about and so uh, when you look at it that way you're looking at helping the local communities that you operate in so when the mayor of midland is more worried about if we can reduce the number of trucks on the road than anything else more worried about that than tax revenue more worried about that than jobs than housing that's how big a thing it is and so if you can address that you're now helping the local communities that you operate in which tends to be the beginning of the spark of the anti-oil and gas movement is when the local communities get mad at us so if we can help them it's just yeah, a win-win for everybody it's huge. exactly all right i'm gonna i'm gonna cover one more point but while we're doing that be thinking of some questions to ask because it's really embarrassing when we ask for questions and nobody asks any so um However, uh, it, so something like this always makes me think, all right, this is all great. Where do we go from here? Uh, so uh, like Kyle here, he's thinking, I got to get me some of that. But he doesn't like, he, like what does he do? So what, what, what's your guidance for, for, for people like um, that? So build partnerships within the industry. This is like agnostic to Appian that I'm talking. You know, build partnerships within the that's industry. That's fine, that's allowed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, I want to be like, I'm not making a hard sale here. It's, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's about uh, figuring out where we can help each other. Um, we heard in the conference today, I thought it was a really great anecdote. One company's scope one and two emissions or another company's scope three emissions. So we can work together as an industry in that way. Um, and then when it comes to the technology space, just have conversations and, and look to peers and third-party experts for guidance on like how do I vet these technologies because there are so many out there. Marketing departments all start to sound alike when it comes to technology. There's a lot of promises of optimization and visibility and, uh, and all of these things. And, and sometimes it takes really understanding what does your company need to do um, and what are your gaps to start to, to, to build the case for a technology like Appian. Yeah. yeah. I just want you to know when you said third-party experts, a little like halo lit up over your head right there. <laughs> it was it was good. Uh, let me throw a little two cents in there. The other thing is, especially if you work for a large public company, start small. Get an easy win, right? Don't try to boil the ocean. Get a small win so you can show your management you're actually moving the needle, and then that naturally grows to bigger and bigger and bigger stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a good rule of life, actually. All right. Before, before I unleash the barrage of questions that's coming, is there anything else that you wanted to say? Uh, thank you, guys. I think, I think the last thing is, like, nobody's perfect. We're all working together yeah, that, to figure sure. out a solution. Yeah. And it's been, uh, it's been really wonderful to see the energy industry rally around this because I think the world is looking at our industry to make the biggest impact on decarbonization. Oh, well said. All right, Mr. Microphone. Any questions? Kyle, we can always count on Kyle for a question. Get us rolling. Oh. I'm Kyle with the... Yeah. Okay. It's kind of a trick microphone. Okay, sure. It doesn't really work. <laughs> it's not true. So, I'm uh, Kyle Chambers with Texas Quality Assurance. And uh, first, I got to say, this is coming from someone that 
does tech is like, I love the idea that you don't have to migrate the data. It is such an enormous pain in the butt to have to worry about. So I think just think that's kind of a pretty cool thing there. But the, the question I have is, how does this work for small businesses? Because, you know, I was reading recently a study from like 2019 that something like 90% of the businesses involved in oil and gas extraction have less than 20 employees, right? You're talking about 50% of the manpower comes from micro companies. How does uh, these type of solutions, how does that fit in for these mom and pop shops that don't have a damn clue what any of this stuff is? Let me just jump in real quick. So you know what I've seen in the last year or say the last 18 months, it's really fascinating me. I'm seeing small companies that normally would be competitors work together so that they have more buy-in power. So right. the small operator may work with a small pipeline company that's removing the produce water, and together they'll come up with a solution. I think that's genius. I've seen a little bit of that as well. So yeah, it's really, really cool stuff. Yeah, great question. Um, and, and you're right, there are so many um, smaller upstream companies in Houston um, working together is going to be huge. With a platform like, like Appian, we can support that by opening up the platform, not just to the company that, that owns the platform, a big oil and gas company, let's say, but on each end of the value chain, we can open up the platform to be a tool for customers to get visibility into their projects and how, uh, how they're performing. We can open it up to the supply chain um, and manage every aspect of the RFP process on our platform and, and also get visibility from suppliers. This is a, a, a big use case right now. Like supply chain has been the trending word of 2021 and 2022, I think. Like how do you, how do you get early notice of disruptions in the supply chain? And then how do you how do you plan for them in a way that's going to be environmentally friendly? If you get, you know, if your supplier says you can have 20 units, but we don't have all 30 available, what does that mean? Like, do you do you wait for them to ship all 20? Do you say send 20 now, send 10 later? Do you go to a different party and, and get a different bid? Those are all transactions and uh, and 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 really collaboration that can yeah. be occurring in the Appian platform. How do I get shaving products? That's what I'm really trying to figure out right now. Like, like I'm like sometimes it's a little bit it's difficult to get these things that we need. Um, other uh, other questions? Questions? Yes, yes. Miss Data Gumbo, the the lady in pink. Thank Maxine. you. Uh, like, nice to see you all again. Um, this is probably a naive question because I'm North Sea and not necessarily Midland, uh, you know, Odessa. Don't cough when I say that. <laughs> I was, I was really coughing. North Sea. So my point is, um, you're talking about trucks. We talked about um, creating a better environment and re respect for our industry in the last um, unscripted podcast. My question is, Truck sharing. Truck sharing in oil and gas, is it a thing? Is it something you can't because it's there are chemicals or there's something different um, so you can't transport them to reduce the trucks that Mark was saying. Reduce the amount of trucks in the road because the, the incidents out there are ridiculously yeah, yeah. high. Right. Um, the emissions, obviously, that's high too. And how do we reduce that and create trust by truck sharing? Is that something that you can do? in the industry i mean I'm so over naive. the years i've seen three or four companies address this where basically they'll use technology to share resources not just trucks it's things like bulldozers flatbeds all that sort of stuff and it fails every time because of the culture of the industry if i'm slumberjay i don't want to share a truck with halliburton even though we're both operating on the same well pad not in the same area on the same well pad 
So I, I think at some point that culture will have to change, whether that's this year or 2050, I don't know. If you're Schlumberger, that's, a, that's already a fun thing to think about. Um, did you, uh, you got anything? I, I echo that. I think we all know it's possible, but it's the, the partnership and the collaboration and yeah. the trust, like to Maxine's point, that needs to take place. But, you know, it, yeah. so I keep, and I say this on, the, uh, on this show from time to time, perhaps maybe more than time to time, which is there's like unprecedented levels of cooperation and yeah. collaboration. I've and never like seen our people, industry cooperate. Because, because like what's happening is, is it's not so much anymore the industry, all the big, pl- all the industry players competing with each other. It's like the industry itself is competing and everybody like competing for its right to be what it is. And so everybody's kind of joining in that fight. Other questions? And so, uh, you know, Alexis, I'm going to tell you that what's happening here is you have hosted a very good happy hour <laughs> and people are enjoying the happy hour. They want to get back to their drinks. And they'd really like for us to wrap it up. So, uh, so, so thank you to everybody who uh, showed up and uh, thanks to Appian for putting this event on. And uh, who else should I thank? Uh, we should thank everybody that's here. Thank you for I showing just, up. I just... I know you had to cut, drive downtown or walk from downstairs. He, he did say that, for the I record. Did, yeah. See, you never listen when I talk. That's the problem with our relationship. Okay. What? <laughs> um, Alexis, thank you. for. Uh, I know that um, all of your other Appian teammates abandoned you to be the sole person to, to, to uh, represent uh, your company here. So you did an excellent job. So thanks very much. That's going to wrap it up, folks. You can get back to whatever it is that you were doing before thank we you. do this. Thanks for having me. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.